right, Jen Cooper, the keeper here, ready for the next episode of the Mixed Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. This is episode number 341. And with that number, we'll give a shout out to Bailey Feist of the Washington Spirit. Feist played 341 minutes in the 2020 Challenge Cup. We missed her in 2021 as she was recovering from an ACL tear, but she is back in action this season with the Washington Spirit. All right, one great chat in this episode with Jenna Tonelli, first-time guest for the Mix Zone. Jenna, based in New York, writes about mostly Gotham FC for All for 11 and Equalizer Soccer, other outlets in the area. So, of course, Jenna and I spoke mostly about Gotham FC and its kind of all-star roster and also the players who might step up and surprise us when some of the national teamers are gone during uh, the July window. We also spoke about Italian women's soccer, both Serie A and the women's national team. So I hope you enjoy that. All right, Jen Cooper, the keeper here with Jenna Tonelli, freelance soccer reporter based in New York City. Jenna, I have heard a lot of great stuff about your coverage of, of soccer up there, as as Texans like to say. Um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about how you got into um, covering women's soccer. Yeah, thank you, first of all, so much for, for having me on. I'm very honored. Uh, so I started getting into soccer, um, mostly just loosely following the U.S. women's national team, um, you know, just watching during Olympics and, and World Cups. But it was really the 2015 um, you know, U.S. Uh, World Cup win that made me like a true women's soccer fan. Like I was totally bought in. Um, so from there, yeah, <laughs> totally, totally bought in. I was, I was all in. Um, so from there, I started trying to, you know, watch as much NWSL as I, I kind of was able to. Um, and it was kind of more towards maybe 2018 that I started following the NWSL a little bit more closely. Um, as you mentioned, I'm based out of New York. So I was a, a Sky Blue SC fan back then. Um, and then I started covering the team when they rebranded to Gotham SC. I started covering them last year. Uh, and it's been uh, <laughs> full force forward ever since. And that's great because, you know, I feel like, you know, we're seeing more and more um, outlets of sports coverage popping up, um, particularly women's coverage. So, like, I get excited to see more people, you know, with the, the tagline on Twitter, like reporter for XYZ, right? And and to see the growth of outlets like All for Eleven and The Athletic and Equalizer and even more beyond that, right? So, it, it seems like you have more opportunity now to cover women's soccer than just a few years ago. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's been incredible mm. opportunity. Um, and I actually, I got started writing for um, a, a small local website called Jersey Sporting News that took up the mantle of, of kind of being local beat reporters for Gotham FC. And I absolutely loved it. And I just wanted to do more and more. And then I just kind of started freelancing around. And um, I, I, I hope that I've done a good job of, of growing Gotham coverage. So, <laughs> Well, let's talk about Gotham because I think... Um, of all the changes that we've seen roster-wise for 2022, um, I find Gotham's moves the most interesting, right? I mean, among existing teams, because you have to put San Diego and LA in their own category as expansion oh, clubs. <laughs> um, but with like 
the names that Gotham pulled in in this offseason, Christy Mewis, Ashlyn Harris, Allie Krieger, Michelle Betos, you know, I'm sure I'm missing some also signing Cameron Tucker from BYU, like, and they already had Midge Purse, if you don't you know, a solid back line, Caprice Didasco, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, so it seems like they're almost doing what all rain did last year. Where it's like, let's bring in the big veteran names so we can win now, not win in a few years. Um, obviously that's a really simplified way of looking at it. So I wanted to get your viewpoint. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting, and it's something that that people have uh, brought up a uh, number of occasions. I I remember actually during the press conference that introduced uh, Ashlyn Harris and Ellie Krieger, somebody asked Yael Averbush West, the GM, that exact question, and you know, of course, she she uh, gives the answer that you know it's it's all for the you know now and the future and blah blah blah, whatever the line is. Um, but I think ultimately what all those signings, whether it's a veteran like, you know, Ali Krieger or Ashlyn Harris, Christy Mewis, or young star, upcoming star like Cameron Tucker, it, I think it speaks to the fact that Gotham is becoming a destination club. And I think that's such a big difference from what it was when it was Sky Blue just like three four years ago. Um, so, you know, it's hard for me to say uh, I'm not, you know, in the, in the trenches of the, of the club themselves, if it was a win now kind of thing. But I, I think that overall, I'm very happy with that direction as just somebody, you know, covering the club, watching the club, because like I said, three years ago, um, Ashlyn Harris was not coming to Gotham FC or Sky Blue rather. So I think it just speaks exactly. to the direction of the club. Yeah, just huge, huge changes that this club has made in, you know, just a year and a half, really. Yeah. Um, so what have you what have you thought about their performances so far? Now, granted, Gotham has only had four regular season matches compared to most clubs have had five or six because um, they did have to postpone that one game um, due to COVID protocol. But what what have you gleaned from their performances to start off the regular season? Yeah, so I, I think, I mean, just like you said, they they have a couple of games in hand now compared to most teams. And I, I think it's really interesting because there's so much individual talent on the club. And even though that starting 11 remained more or less intact um, from last year, some of the pieces that they brought in are, you know, veteran players who have their own perspective, Ashlyn Harris, Allie Krieger, Christine Mewis, you know, plus the existing veterans on the team, McCall Zerboni, the captain, um, and just kind of getting that to, to work together, I think is not as easy as people might think. So yes, you have these great individual talents, but it's getting that all to click, which I think is the hard part. And I think we're starting to see that happen. I think the game against Angel City, um, although I, I made a joke on Twitter that my heart rate was like going up like crazy, like the <laughs> during those last 10 minutes, um, you really did see a true <laughs> team performance that I don't think that we had really seen before. I think things are starting to click. Um, and I actually recently had the pleasure and honor of speaking with uh, Naho Kawasumi uh, through a translator um, and interviewing her about her time at Gotham, which was an amazing experience for me. Um, and she said something really interesting, which was that a soccer team is like a, a curry recipe and you can have all of the ingredients, but if you don't have the right amount of ingredients, you're not going to get the curry. And so right now what the coach is trying to do, this is what Naho said, is is just kind of getting the right amount of the ingredients to get that perfect recipe. And that like hit 
perfectly with me because I was like, that makes so much sense. That's exactly what's going on. And I think they're finally starting to get that recipe right. And that's a brilliant analogy by by Kawasumi, uh, especially coming from, you know, not only a veteran in this league, but, you know, a veteran of a, a World Cup winning team, you know, Japan taking it all in 2011 um you know i like that perspective and i always it's it's sad to say i forget sometimes that she's on gotham right because in my head i always associate her with the rain i know right (laughs) right um and of course gotham has so many names but i'm glad you brought her up because i was surprised when she made the move from rain to gotham i was like that seems weird but then i heard later that she'd actually asked for trade because she wanted a change of environment. She wanted a different challenge, right? And yeah, she I, said I, that I was like, wow. I love that. I, I, I love to hear that from a player, especially when, you know, you know, you're not an American, so there's already, you know, some obstacles to living here, though I'm sure she, you know, she picked up a lot of English and, you know, got really comfortable in Seattle. But to move across the country, you know, whole new city, whole new vibe, whole new club, like that that says a lot for that player's character in my opinion oh i totally agree and and when i spoke with her we we touched on that briefly and and she said like that you know seattle she loved it there she loved her teammates but she she wanted something more and i think she found that at sky blue slash gotham and it's just like you said it's it's amazing to have someone of her caliber here um so i i enjoy her being on gotham personally (laughs) Well, and I think it's interesting, too, that um, the roster's average age is, um, I'm pretty sure it's the oldest roster in the league. Now, age is just a number, right? Um, I like to tell people, it's not really the age so much as the mileage, right? Like, Hmm. you know, how many games these players have played, especially if they've been national teamers, too, right? Um, Yeah. But I think it's really interesting when you look at the specific players, right? Like you can look at Gina Lewandowski and go, wow, she's pretty old, you know? Um, but that's an easy way to look at it as opposed to, Hey, she, she was only capped once for the U S national team. She's had a long, steady club career, right? So she hasn't been overburdened by, by travel or injuries. Right. So here's kind of your steady, steady player. Same for Estelle Johnson. Her national team career started very, very late. Right. Um, And she even took a year away from, (laughs) you know, in in the early years, you know, so I feel like they have such an interesting blend of your really well-known veterans like Krieger and Harris and Mewis and Kawasumi, your lesser known, but still long-term veterans like Johnson, like Didasco, right. Who really got the attention last year. And then the up and comers who, and, and it's funny to say that because they've always established themselves, but they're still pretty young when you think of it in the bigger schemes of thing. Um, you know, Purse and Anamanu, they were just drafted into the league five years ago. You know, so. Yeah, you think of how established they are, but it's like they're still pretty young as far as soccer goes. And then to have players like Cameron Tucker, right. Who just led BYU to their first ever or final. Like, so you've got some really young players. Um, and then I also think about like, you know, Evelyn Vienne, she's off on loan, but you know, when she comes back, she's still like ridiculously young, but really well experienced. So I, I think 
it kind of goes along with what Kawasumi was saying about the curry. It's like, how do you mix all these kinds of players? Yes, I totally agree with that. And, and I think something that kind of exemplifies that point is in the game against Angel, the game against Angel City, um, they had Scott Parkinson started Taryn Torres. Rookie, uh, rookie <laughs> with mm-hmm. Paul Jaboni in the midfield, um, and that pairing worked. Like it, it worked, and I think it allowed McCall to work more defensively, Taryn to go in the attack a little bit more, and I, I absolutely love that. And I think that's very Gotham. I think that's kind of part of their identity is really blending that the veteran. And the, and the more newbie, although, I, you know, I don't want to call person on the model newbies, uh, but they are younger, as you said, Paige Monaghan. Relatively. Well. It's um, all relative. Yes. <laughs> Relatively. Just blending that in the perfect way. Uh, and I, I think we're starting to see it come together. Well, and bringing up Zerboni paired with, you know, basically a rookie, um, it reminds me that, of course, Gotham is missing Allie Long, who's, you know, out on um, maternity leave right now mm-hmm. um you know that was another big name when you th- when you think of all the all the u.s veterans that that they were collecting um so who knows if, if i mean she could she could likely be back at the at the end of the season but who do you see as, as the players that that have to fill her role while she's gone yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, first of all, congratulations to her. It's amazing news. <laughs> Good reason to, to miss a season. <laughs> but um, I, I think it is, I don't know if it's so much as filling the hole she left behind or rather coming up with a new way to approach it because Ali Long is a unique player. Her vision on the field, her presence in that midfield. I mean, it was, in my opinion, the heart of, of the team and just watching her play, just her vision, the way she even like picked her head up and looked around the field and found that right path. I mean, that's, that's her. Um, and so I think trying to figure out, you know, do you play some one person in the six, double sixes, you know, what, like, what do you do? I we've seen a little bit of variation in that, but I really, really liked what they did against Angel City with Zerboni and Torres. I think that worked and I could see that, staying and, and Mew is in the 10 going forward. I, I, I personally really like that lineup and I think that might be what, what works for them. And it's been such an interesting mix of games when I look at the, the four scores, right? So on the road, a 3-0 win, followed by on the road, a 4-0 loss. Then a week without a game. Then a narrow loss at home, very tight game against Louisville and then a very tight game on the road, you know, in what could end up being one of the most difficult places for a road team to play. Um, So do you think this last lineup, you know, might, might be the beginning of stability for the club? I really hope so. Um, I, I think that, you're exactly right. That was a really tough schedule and it's tough for these professionals to miss a week, like missing a week because that game is postponed and the whole day leading up to it, they thought they were going to play until maybe, you know, they probably had a little bit more notice than the rest of us that the game was going to be called off. But, you know, that's, that's really tough. And then you miss that game and then it could stop your momentum. And, and coach Parkinson even kind of said as much that that was really, that was, he thinks that put the team at a disadvantage. Uh, you know, somebody asked, I think just having the extra 
week of rest help, but I don't think it does. And I don't think he thought it did either. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that now, you know, the, with a more consistent schedule, they've already played the two games and the, the new expansion sides and, and they can kind of ride, honestly, the confidence of that win. I think just winning that game, even though it was really narrow, that was a highly anticipated game. I, I think there's a little budding rivalry between the two coasts, New York and LA there. Um, and so I think that was, that there was a lot of pressure and I think that win will hopefully help them kind of see what they can do and springboard that into the rest of the season. Well, and and I'm glad you brought up the challenge of having a game canceled because I've always been stunned when I've talked to coaches about, you know, all the, the meticulous planning that goes into leading up to game day in terms of when they have the players work out, when they have them rest and when they have them eat, that it's all geared to, creating a peak performance, you know, for game day. And obviously we've all seen when you, when you go to games after the game, the players that didn't start or barely played, you know, we see them working out on the field, right? Because they need to keep, you know, to keep their fitness up. Right. So it's like having that game canceled kind of, you know, throws that all in a loop. So it's like, yeah, in a way it's good for rest maybe, but I'm sure there's also the mental, like, wait, I was so psyched to play and I don't get to play and, you know, and, and finding out last minute, I would think it'd be very similar to just a regular weather delay, right? Where you're waiting, waiting, (laughs) waiting for the weather to clear. No, the lightning strikes again. So you have to wait another 20 minutes. It's like, yeah, that's the, the mental aspect, the mental challenging, you know, aspect of, of what these professional players, you know, and the coaches have to deal with. Um, and I'm also looking at when I look at this Gotham roster, like there's so many veterans of national teams, but since many of them no longer play for their national teams, it seems like Gotham might not be hit as hard um, by the upcoming summer window as some teams will. Right. Like obviously, you know, we know that Krieger and Lewandowski and, and Harris and Zerboni not called up by the U.S. anymore. Mewis likely could be Purse, Anamano, Dorsey, um, but maybe not even all of those, right? Um, sorry, Anamano, yeah, of course, would be for, sorry, would be for Nigeria, not not for U.S. Yes, um, yes. Um, uh, so I, I, and well, Lewandowski just renounced, uh, announced her retirement, so <laughs> she actually won't be there during that international break. Wow. Um, Breaking news from Jenna Tanelli. (laughs) Yes, she announced that on her Instagram yesterday that uh, July 2nd is her last game and she's retiring. Well, I appreciate it when players do that in (laughs) advance as as opposed to, oh, I'm retiring right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like they, they can plan around it. Good, good. Yes. So I'm, I'm sure the team knew before yesterday, Um, but yeah, so, but it it is an interesting point. I mean, I, I would think, um, you know, uh, you have, yeah, if you know, Manu, Midge Purse, Christy Mewis, Estelle Johnson, um, of course, not all for the U.S. Uh, and yeah, I think that, yeah, it, it's a good point. It might be, we do lose some attacking power with Purse and Anamanu out. Um, so that will be, that will be an interesting to see kind of what, what happens there. But thankfully, I think the NWSL did a little bit better of a job uh, planning around that. I think there might only be one or two games now during that break. So hopefully the, yeah. the damage on all teams will be slightly mitigated. 
Yeah, you know, it's probably going to be harder for Anamanu with the tournament in Africa, right? Like that that travel is going to be tougher than obviously like Midge Purse if she's coming back from, you know, Mexico, right? right. Um, but I, I think that's the challenge for all clubs is how do you, you know, get the big names you want, but not so many that you're kind of <laughs> screwed when, it, yeah, like, when, like it gets, when it gets to those windows. Yeah, and, and then of course, like, you know, the league always has to balance, well, you want to break for those things, but you can't break so much that it then, you know, compacts the rest of the schedule. Right. You know, yeah. You, it's so tough. You, you want to limit those midweek. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I've, I've been intrigued hearing so many people talk about schedule congestion the last few weeks. I mean, don't get me started about the overlap between cup and, and regular season. Oh yeah. But, <laughs> but, but in terms of schedule congestion, I'm like, actually, most teams only have a couple midweek games, you know, and you've got these breaks throughout the season. Like it's actually better than it was in the past. I think, you know, we're just kind of seeing from the more from the perspective of challenge cup, right? Like, Hey, did we really need those six games? And then that, that cramped week of, uh, you know, the semifinal and final. Um, but in general, I, f- I feel like, Hey, most teams are just playing once a week and rosters are larger than they've ever been. Um, now, granted, we don't always see, you know, that, that far end of the roster, which is why I'm always a little intrigued when we hit, when we hit those breaks, when the, the top internationals are gone. Cause then it's like, Ooh, now we can see, you know, that rookie that just got signed or, you know, the person that's been working their way up the bench, um, but it really hasn't had a chance to shine yet, you know? So like, you know, for Gotham, that would be, or could be Ellie Jean or Kelly and Livingstone or, Hey, when will we get to see more of Jennifer Cujo? You know, like, like who are the, who are the second tier, no offense, second tier players, um, you know, on this roster that, that you think could really um, step up during that window? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I think you named the ones that I would be most interested in. I, I actually think Ellie Jean has been a fantastic, maybe underrated acquisition for Gotham just because people aren't as familiar with her. Um, but right. she's been incredible and she has shown some versatility. I think Scott has played her as a winger, as a fullback. Um, and she's, she's really been able to kind of step into those situations. Um, so I would love to see more of her. Um, uh, Jennifer Cujo. I mean, I always want to see more Jennifer Cujo. Um, haven't seen too much of her. Not really sure why, but I would I would be interested to see her more. Um, and actually, what's interesting is we've seen some players that have been on Gotham for a while already kind of getting some more minutes. Dami Richardson, Nicole Baxter got her first ever regular season NW sell minutes. Uh, the last I noticed game, that. I was so, like, finally, yeah. finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think every the, the roar from the crowd because she's a local Jersey girl. It was great. It was awesome. So <laughs> I really like seeing that. Um, we also um, let's see who else. Uh, Delaney Sheehan is someone who I think we could see a little bit more of. Um, she actually played for the Gotham Reserves team, um, and then Freya Coombe was was playing her a little bit, and I think she was really interesting, and I saw a lot of potential there. So maybe when you know Purse and Adamanu are away, we could see some more Delaney Sheehan, who also spent some time um, over in Paris uh, on loan, I think last season as well, so getting getting some minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I like that we're seeing more more loans, um, especially short term loans. 
you know, because I think for any of the players that have come up through the U.S. college system, I think it only benefits them to play abroad where there's not necessarily, you know, um, you know, your support system isn't necessarily there. You have to figure things out for yourself and maybe face a different style of play or different style of coaching or just, you know, different experiences and then come back and, you know, probably be a more complete player here. Um, Well, there's one other player I want to bring up from, from the Gotham roster, just because, I know we probably won't get to see her anytime soon, just because when you're sitting behind Ashlyn Harris and Michelle Betos, you know, there would probably have to be some kind of natural disaster for you to get to start. Um, But I'm just curious if you've seen any of Hensley handcuff in training. She was, you know, drafty by Gotham um, this past draft. Uh, She's six, three, which is what I remember most from doing my draft research. And I think she has the best name for a goalkeeper in the league handcuff it's like it's so perfect right um it is so good <laughs> yeah so have you have you gotten to see her have you got to talk to her I just I'm just curious yeah I actually um so I had the pleasure of interviewing her when she was drafted um so for Jersey Sporting News I spoke with her um really interesting story um great great person and yes, I have seen her in training and I have stood next to her and I can confirm she is very tall, <laughs> but I, I think it's, it's absolutely incredible. She actually trained um, for a summer during high school with Ashlyn Harris in Orlando. So she is familiar with uh, Ashlyn Harris. And nice. I think that, yeah, it's awesome. And so, I mean, you know, Ashlyn Harris and, and Michelle Betos, both in their 30s, kind of, you know, the, the tail end of their careers, I, I would say, although goalkeepers can play for <laughs> a while. Um, so I would love to see, you know, Hensley handcuff train underneath two of the NWSL's, you know, veteran, most well-known veteran keepers, I would say, um, or at least two of, uh, and see her in net. I, it is interesting what you said about, um, you know, it would, take some something crazy to, to see her get minutes. But then I, I think about last year, um, Kaylin Sheridan was away with Canada. Um, Didi right. Heritage had to come out of a game because she was injured. And Mandy McGlynn, who was the third keeper, went in and played a whole half. <laughs> so it does happen. So so obviously <laughs> I don't wish happen, injury. It does happen, but it's rare. <laughs> or, it is very rare. And I don't wish injury on any anybody, especially the keepers of Gotham. <laughs> But um, yeah, it could happen. But I, I think uh, Hensley has already kind of gotten a little bit of a, a fan base going. I know they love her with uh, Cloud9, the supporters group, whenever they're you know warming up before the match, they always have signs for her. <laughs> so I, I hope that she is a, a long-term Gotham player and that one day uh, we do see her in that. Well, I mean, to get to train with, with Harris and Betos, you know, that's, that's going to help you add to that 6-3 frame in uh <laughs> being a keeper well let's, oh, yeah. let's jump let's jump across the pond um because you mentioned to me that uh you were starting to follow italian women's soccer Serie A, and, and and a little bit of the italian national team so so tell me what what you've learned so far because one of the things that i love about women's soccer but also soccer in general is i feel like i will never know it all right it's it's as if there's you know if I were if I were an NFL fan it would be as if there was an NFL in every country in the world right um yeah you know national teams so um and I have noticed 
you know, more and more uh, players that I've heard of, like, you know, signing for Roma or signing for Juventus, right? But tell me what you've learned about Italian women's soccer. Yeah, well, so this is this is kind of the story that I like to tell about how I, I got into it. Um, so most people know this about me. My wife is from Italy. Um, we were actually in Italy during the 2019 uh, Women's World Cup. And Italy had a, an amazing run in that cup, making it all the way to the quarterfinals. And I don't think people thought that was possible. So we were in a bar. It was a historic heat wave. I mean, 98 yes i i know people who were in france know exactly what i was talking about and we were in a in a bar and there was no air conditioning and we were sit. we took all the fans we were the only people in there and we sat and then we made them turn it on and they were like i'm sorry the, there's a world cup what are you talking about we're like it's the women, it's the women. <laughs> and we sat in this bar and we watched we started, we started watching the game i can't remember what game it was because honestly i was dying of heat but slowly people started filling into the bar these italians sitting with us watching they're like what is this what is this and you know my wife was explaining what it was and then all of a sudden the entire bar is sitting there watching the italian uh women's the italian team in the women's world cup and they won that game um whatever yes. it was, i forget and it was just an amazing feeling like just kind of seeing all these people discover what we all know <laughs> is that women's soccer is amazing and look at your national team like bringing glory to your country um so that's kind of what got me into uh, following them more closely and i this year you know started to cover Serie A a little bit, um, wrote, a, wrote a couple of pieces about them. Their league actually will finally go full professional for next season. So that's a huge, um, something huge for them that they, they had been fighting for. Um, and yeah, just like you mentioned, there's some big players. Uh, Juventus just had Canadian international Julia Grasso sign with them mid last year. And I think she just signed, I might be wrong on this, but I think it was a two year extension. Um, and Juventus obviously won the Scudetto and the uh, Copa Italia this year. Star set a team. I mean, uh, they have Bonanze on there, Saragama, like huge Italian <laughs> stars on that team. Um, and it's just really fun to watch and kind of see the growth of it. I'm new to it myself a little bit, but uh, I'm really enjoying it. I got my ATA football subscription so I could uh, watch the games. and <laughs> It's been really fun. Well, for those that don't know, explain what the Scudetto is. Uh, so, so the Scudetto, and I, my wife would kill me, but I'm pretty sure it directly translates to Shield. Um, and it's basically just the, it's as if the NWSL ended when all the points were over and you didn't have a play, you didn't have the playoffs. So it's right. just whoever had so, the most points at the end of the season wins the Scudetto. Just like Premier League and, and the other leagues, it's whoever's at the exactly. top of the table. Yeah, no playoffs. Exactly. And then the Copa Italia, is that kind of like our U.S. Open Cup? If we had one for the women, yes, or like the FA Cup in Premier League, yeah. or what maybe yeah. people would like the Challenge Cup to be, <laughs> it's kind of a, <laughs> you know, interspersed throughout the season, a separate competition. Yeah, right, right. Well, I I remember really enjoying watching Italy, you know, in the 2019 Women's World Cup, um, especially knowing that they have such history, right? Like they were in the 1991 Women's World Cup. Yeah, it was right. two Italians. It was two Italians who were the first ever people, male or female, to score a hundred international goals. It was Elisabetta Vignotto's record that Mia Hamm broke in 1999. You know when she scored her 108th goal. 
Um, so every now and then, just just to be a troll when I'm at an Italian restaurant and, and I end up talking soccer with someone who's a big Italian fan, I'm like, okay, who is <laughs> I say who has scored the most goals for Italy, you know? And they're like, Baggio, you know, so and so, so and so. I'm like, yeah, nope. yeah, yeah. Elizabeth Vignotto. <laughs> That's right. That's so funny. And actually, um, if, if people are interested, my uh, friend and, and uh, All for Eleven colleague, uh, Sophie Lawson, wrote a piece for Equalizer on the history of Serie A and Italian women's soccer. And so great, great piece. Highly recommend. Um, it honestly provided me really great context as well when I started uh, writing about them a little bit. So I definitely encourage people to check that out if they want to learn a little bit more about, about that amazing history of Italian women's soccer, because it's it's there. It's it's much more than people think. And I'm still learning about it myself. Well, and now that you say that, I remember reading years ago that like April Heinrichs had a gig in Italy briefly, you know, when she was still a player. And I think Vera Powell, you know, who, who's always touted as the first Dutch player to have a professional contract. I think her contract was with an Italian league. So even though, you know, it's not, we haven't heard a lot of big and flashy things out of Serie A for the, for the women, it's history goes much further back, if that makes sense. Than, Absolutely. Than yeah. I think, I think that's totally right. And I think Juventus um, is really making a name for themselves in European football as well. I mean, they went pretty far in the Champions League for for an Italian team. And um, I, I'm really excited to kind of see them maybe continue to, to bring some attention back to Italy because I think, you know, it might, so my, my wife will kill me because she's an Inter Milan fan and Juventus are their rivals. <laughs> but I think uh, whatever... <laughs> Whatever they're able to do, you know, if, if, at least in this stage, they can bring that attention back to the league and say, like, wow, like, look at the look at the soccer that's being played in this league and bring it up to the level of people who watch, you know, the, the Spanish league or, you know, the, the English league. Like it's 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 coming. And, and I think people will enjoy it just as much. Well, and especially when we have a summer with the Women's Euro, which, of course, was delayed from from last summer, um, you know, four groups of four teams, all of this being played. Um, in England, and we will be able to watch it here on ESPN and Univision outlets. Um, Italy in the same group with France, Belgium, and Iceland, which yeah. to me sounds like a pretty tough group. Of course, gen- in general, the Euro, in a way, group play is even tougher than World Cup, right? Because Europe is just, its talent level is so deep. But but do you, do you think Italy can go all the way? I mean, the cra- the best part about soccer, and I, I mean, especially women's soccer, but men's too, is on any given day, any team can win. And I think Italy proved in the 2019 World Cup that they're not to be underestimated. So um, we'll definitely be rooting for them over here. <laughs> and I'm really excited to see kind of what, what they can pull out. But uh, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And, and I'm excited. Well, Jenna, thanks so much for taking the time to talk Gotham with me and also Serie A and other Italian women's soccer topics. Um, what's the best place for fans to find you on Twitter, maybe find some of your coverage? Yeah, so I'm on um, Twitter, Instagram, all, all the handles. It's just at Jenna Tonelli, J-E-N-N-A-T-O-N-E-L-L-I. Um, you can find all my work there for all of the various places that will allow me to write for them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that's great. Keep up the good work, and I hope Italy does well this July. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Much appreciated, and a real pleasure talking to you. 
right, time to wrap it up at the back for first. If you have not found my Google Calendar of women's soccer, you need to go hunting for it. Um, you can search for it through Google Calendar. Look for Keeper Notes Woso Calendar. Or if you go to keepernotes.com, click on Wosopedia. There's a link for the calendar there. On the calendar, I include all NWSL games, U.S. Women's National Team friendlies, the Summer's Euro, the CONCACAF W Championship, College Cup, lots of stuff like that. Um, anytime I hear about a game, I try to get it on that schedule. Second, how to watch all of these games, right? Um, there are so many different places to watch, um, and I know it can be frustrating, uh, but keep in mind the more you want to watch, the more places you're going to have to look for games. Um, the good news is there is more and more coverage and broadcasts of women's soccer around the world every year. Um, this summer's Euro will be shown in more places than it ever has been before. Um, it'll be on ESPN and Univision outlets in the U.S. The CONCACAF Women's Championship, you can get it all through Paramount Plus and CBS outlets. Um, and it was a regular season. I think you guys already know, but basically it's Paramount Plus, a CBS outlet, or the occasional Twitch Global. For those of you outside the USA, every single game is available on Twitch. The only exception is if you're in Canada and the game is on Big CBS, not CBS Sports, Big CBS, you'll have to watch it there. Um, next up, I did mention already my Wosopedia page, but I'm trying to add more kind of interesting, helpful links there. So if you go to keepernotes.com, click on Wosopedia, you'll find all kinds of very nerdy Woso links. And if you ever have an idea for one of those links, just, uh, you know, send me an email, keeper at keepernotes.com. Last but not least, it's Pride Month. So this is really a good time to put your money where your soccer is. All the clubs have Pride merch. NWSLshop.com has Pride merch. You wanna put your money and your heart where your soccer is? Buy some Pride merch. All right, that's it for this episode of the Mixed Zone Women's Soccer Podcast. I want to give a shout out to everybody who listens, everybody who shares this with a friend, anybody who emails me about it, and especially to the Beautiful Game Network and to my producer, Sean, for making this podcast possible. But now she's anybody's girl.